What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Instagram Live uh, little episode that we like to throw into the feed. Uh, this episode's guest is Mark Volalunga of Nothing More. Uh, this was done probably about two months ago now at this point, and uh, was just a quick chat. Well, not really quick. It was about an hour long, but an hour long chat. Uh, two dudes who have been kind of getting along really well over our mutual love of beer. Uh, Mark is someone that I've uh, gotten to know really well over the last uh, year or so since he came on the show. And uh, just a stellar dude all the way around. Uh, if you haven't seen the Judith cover he was a part of with Doc Coyle and a few other people, uh, Metal, the drummer. I can't remember who was playing bass uh, in it, so apologies to that dude. But uh, uh, yeah, Mark was a part of this. They're kind of like the, the quarantine covers as they are. Uh, so that's going on right now. I know the band themselves, nothing more, have been doing a lot of uh, live Q&As uh, and live uh, Facebook feeds and so forth with a lot of uh, artists such as uh, Aaron Pauly of of Mice and Men and so forth. So um, just really cool to have Mark come on, just shoot the shit. So just want to say we've uh, partnered up with uh, For the Nomads as an official sponsor uh, of the fundraiser. And if you are able to donate or if you're so inclined to bid on something that you see on the website, go to forthenomads.org and go support uh, the behind-the-scenes touring crew members and so forth that have uh, lost their jobs due to all of this. So want to shout out Frank and For the Nomads. Head on over to for the nomads.org donate bid whatever you're able to do even if it's just sharing a social media post or whatever everything helps and uh without further ado let's get into uh my conversation with mark what's up dude how you doing man happy friday to you yeah happy friday hey well, yeah what you got show me oh you know just that new hotness that southern tier vanilla whipped i milkshake ipa Dude, that's awesome. These things are like five bucks a can, but they are so delicious. Nice. That's good. Let's see. Let's see. I'll, I'll let you choose. I just brought three in here. This is one of my favorites. The Rainbow Sherbet, the Prairie. I'm Ooh, always doing Prairie. Sounds so good. Whatever it is. Oh, beer. Oh, mm. beer. I wish, man, I wish the camera wasn't like backwards. I can't even read it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I even took this time of like setting up the banner behind me, but now <laughs> that's probably not the way it goes. But whatever, right? Yeah. And then uh, my my second one, I don't know if you, I don't know if this has made it out out to you. So Bell's now has a lighthearted IPA. Nice. I, it's pretty solid. That's awesome. That's good. I do like their hazy one. Um, yeah. I've had before. It's it's solid. Um, and then I got, uh, because I knew, you know, I was going to be joined with your, your presence, um, and your, your big PB and J guy, J beer right here. All uh, right. And fourth tap. And then a buddy of mine, a neighbor of mine actually got a home brew of his or whatever, which is awesome. Russell Sprout Brewing. Oh, I thought it was the Russell Sprout beer. And I was like, get the fuck out of here with that. Oh, <laughs> Dude, that would be horrible. Yeah. Not good. I, I've never jumped on the Brussels sprout train, even if they're, you know, fried in bacon grease or, yeah. you know, sauteed to where they're kind of sweet or whatever, and everybody raves about them. It's still a Brussels sprout. <laughs> and I uh, finished up this just a couple of minutes ago, the uh, Atlanta Tide non-alcoholic ghost walker. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you were telling me about that. Well, talk to me about it. Uh, yeah, so I did a chat with Willie from Lamb of God, yeah. uh, specifically about that, and um me personally, I cracked open the can literally as we're talking because he made the comment and I was going to do it anyway, but he was like, oh, I, don't, I ran out of my own to drink. Um, and it tastes so much like a beer that the fact that it's not is weird. Like the whole time I kept taking sips of it, I'm like, nah, this is 
this is a beer. And I guess legally it is a beer. It's point like oh five percent. Um but it's uh it's surprisingly really good. Um I haven't been to Brewdog before. I know they're uh in Columbus. Um and they kind of uh have sort of been pigeon or not pigeonholing, uh kind of cornering the, the NA market for beer, for craft beer. Uh and it's uh one of those things where you know, talking with Willie about it, I was like, you know, are you guys going to do kind of like a Deftones thing and, and do seasonal releases with the beers? Um, which surprisingly, I figured between him and Randy being avid coffee drinkers, uh, that they would have gone with like a porter or a stout first. And uh, he kind of was like, oh, we never drank those to begin with. So that thought never really crossed our minds. Um, so just one of those things that, you know, it is kind of interesting to see. Uh, the non-alcoholic space actually kind of taking off in the craft beer realm. Yeah, yeah, it is It is interesting for sure. I have a few friends and they've actually, I've tried like a coffee cream ale or whatever, non-alcoholic, and it's it's not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, yeah. but I like everything else, it, it only gets better. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, they'll perfect it all and it'll be awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to the good stuff. Let's see. What, what do you think? Rainbow Sherbert? I say do that. That has me intrigued uh, as to how that tastes. Because I mean, so this is like a really weird thing. Uh, my wife gets on me quite a bit for being on my phone, like all the time. And, you know, some days she'll be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, like one day I was like, I because we had a real bad, uh, like a giant like bumblebee problem at the end of our driveway. Yeah. And, I, and they were like in our telephone pole. And so I was like, oh, I'm Googling to see if bees sleep. Because if bees sleep, then maybe there's a time when they're less active and I can go, like, spray spray out that thing, like, where their hive is or whatever, and not get just all kinds of stung. Okay. And she goes, oh, well, do bees sleep? And I go, no, they just go into, like, a less dormant state uh, where they're not moving around as much. But it's one of those things, like, that's kind of how I am. Like, I'll get a random thought in my head, and then I start Googling it, and then I'll Google those things to make sure that I'm not, you know, getting misinformed on something and then doing like a lot of people do on social media where you just perpetuate wrong information. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, but no, I had read that because, you know, I there's always the sorbet sherbet thing. Yeah. And apparently sherbet is not a thing. It's always so it's always supposed to be sorbet, but somehow it turned into sherbet at some right. point. And time. we definitely added the other R because it's like yeah. the pronunciation or phonetically correct or whatever and it looks like sherbet or whatever yeah. right there anyway but yeah this this is one of my favorites for sure anybody that's watching you should grab yourself one of these and go to town it's so good i'll tell you what <laughs> um it, it is awesome and I, I do love uh prairie artisan ales they're good stuff well shoot man cheers cheers yeah dink how uh Here's the fun thing I've been thinking about because, like, I know here in Grand Rapids, like, Founders is, you know, just down the road from where I live and a lot of other breweries around the state. Do you think we're going to get all kinds of just funky flavors and shit coming out uh, when everything's done? Huh. In what regard do you mean? So, I know, like, we have a couple of distilleries and so forth here, and I know that there are still, like, okay, so the distilleries are now kind of doing the thing where they, since they have the processes in place to make a, uh, various alcohol products, they're making like hand sanitizers. Um, so I know a few of our distilleries are selling hand sanitizers and making it themselves. 
Um, adversely, I know uh, Founders is still open because obviously they're still distributing their beer and making it to, to distribute around. I would assume they're still making new beer because they're not just going to stop making it. Right. So it makes me wonder, you know, at this point now with, uh, I think the lockdown being almost a month now here in Michigan and probably everywhere else. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering like what kind of crazy flavors they're making because they're probably not having to produce as much of the mainstay stuff for the tap house and other places because kegs aren't really a thing since they can't, obviously you can't go somewhere and get it on tap. So it's really making me wonder, like, what kind of crazy adventurous stuff are people going to be making that you're going to maybe be seeing in five, six, seven, eight months to a year? Yeah, no, I, I hear you in that. Yeah, for sure. The um, I know it's, it's weird because with Founders, I got scared because CBS, um, you know, they said it's the last batch that they're ever going to do. But now I, I don't understand because it's like I just... I guess they made a whole hell hell of a lot of them and they're just everywhere. And it still seems like the brewery's doing fine. So I don't know. It's weird. I made a joke as much as you can make a joke about the situation founders is in, and I'm not going to get into it, but um, weird that, you know, they're saying they're going to donate all the proceeds from the Detroit location. And some of the ones I think from the Grand Rapids location for the next year. And it makes me wonder are they going to uphold that and just only donate from this year, which obviously is in just a fucking crapshoot, or are they going to kind of rectify that a little bit and maybe when everything kind of gets back up and running, start kind of a new like fiscal year for that to actually make the donations and such more of a decent chunk. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I've always been a fan and I appreciate their process and, and their flaves. There. Yummy, yummy. What uh, what have you? I mean, you guys have been doing just a shitload of these live things, like over on Facebook and stuff. How have you found this form of communicating? Uh, it looks like you guys are doing writing sessions in during all of this that way too. How has that been for you guys? You know, it's it's been good. Um, fortunately, you know, the the world is in a place to where technology is has come so much further than it did, you know, five years, 10 years, 20 years ago. So right now, like we can actually seamlessly um, and without latency or like very, very minute, like hear each other. And we're, we're just uh, with the software audio moves or uh, I think it's audio movers. Um, It's awesome. And um, it's, it's really cool. We're working out some kinks, but, uh, it's going good to where we can hear each other's audio and basically um, it's like we can tweak right then and you don't hear through, you know, other speakers or whatever you hear through, it goes into their DAW, which is really neat. And we're just about to start doing that. For the most part, we've been kind of just talking through lyrics and then hearing stuff while we all have our own, you know, Axe effects or, whatever software we're using um to record so we just you know we get on zoom or you know whatever video chat and then talk about um you know what needs to be done who who's feeling what who's up to what and then we spend some time on it and uh it kind of yeah just like anything else some ideas are great and then some are terrible (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know it's a constant Yes, I'm. I'm so proud of myself. And then, 
damn it. Like, why didn't anybody like that? I, I could have sworn that was awesome. And then it wasn't. <laughs> so I, uh, last time we talked was, uh, I think it was like the last week of the ghost tour that you guys were on to kind of finish out the, the album cycle. Uh, I know I saw the photos. I haven't seen video. How did your Ghostbusters prank go over? Oh, man, that, that's a great question. It went over very well. Uh, <laughs> I, I think their, their crew died laughing because even our crew dressed up like their crew. Basically, they, they had a, on kind of like a, not a white suit completely, but uh, almost like a, like a ushers at a wedding, sort of. Oh, and there's a little cross right here or the upside down cross and um, the little bow tie, which was pretty sick. And then, yeah, we were all Ghostbusters. Uh, I mean, it was very tough to play in because, you know, the only size they sell is like triple X. So they're, they're all huge on us and it's extremely hot, even though it's like the end of October in New York. So it was cold out, but in the arena, it was, it was flipping hot for sure. It's kind of I always enjoy the pranks. Um, always look forward to that last that last show. I was I was bummed because they didn't uh, prank us, so I was I was curious. But, well, like I know that's a, a, usually like you have your your first day of tour kind of hijinks that kind of go on, and then usually the end of day for sure like is when a lot of pranks happen, and so. It was kind of when you had told me about it at the time. I was like, oh, man, that'll be really interesting. Although the thing I was thinking of is you're not really going to get much of a reaction from any of them because they're all wearing masks. So other than maybe like the seeing the visual of them like laughing or grabbing them, themselves or whatever, right. it's kind of like it, it may not incite as much of a response as, I, as you may have thought. Um I don't know, just kind of because like they seem so serious about everything. So even kind of almost uh, in using a wrestling term, kayfabing it to where they'd even give in to the fact that you know they find that amusing. It kind of had me wondering, like, would they even acknowledge that they find it funny, or would they just be very stoic and like we're still playing? <laughs> they, they had a laugh, which was uh, you know that's I guess really why you do it. You know, it's it's for fun and. Hey, we've all been, you know, at summer camp, if you will, for the past month together, and we've all smelled each other's farts. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, here, here we are. Is the last one. Let's let's just be jolly, have a good time, make fun of each other, you know, in a in a not terrible, offensive way, <laughs> you know. Um, but but yeah, I, it, it's uh, the pranks are. Uh, I think one of the best parts of tour. It's it sucks because it's always the end, but. It's fun because you get to think about it the entire tour and how, how to get them or something you haven't done before. What's one of your favorite tour pranks, whether it be done to you or you doing it to another band? Yeah. So the band Palisades, I think, takes the cake. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the whole night. So we <laughs> prank them by basically getting lawn chairs, a kiddie pool, and fun noodles. Um, and... Yeah, I think Johnny was in a bikini. So just dur during their letdown song, um, we all walked out and we basically got them to beer bong through a fun noodle and while they're playing in the middle of each song, you know, every single member. So it was it was uh it was awesome. And you know that the the rule is it's like you can't mess up the song. Um, you know, everybody's just gotta get through it. 
um, so that was for them. Then uh, the, the second band, um, Bad Flower, we ended up saran wrapping them, like each member, basically all their legs. We weren't allowed to do, you know, their hands or whatever. And they're all surprised. Um, and they, uh, and then we, we did take away like uh, the, the classic take the drums away. You know, I don't know if you've been at a show. Like piece by piece. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah, leave a trap kit type of thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, Anthony still killed it. Um, the last song, which was awesome. It's always good to see that. And then um, for Of My Son Men, we got uh, two of our crew guys. We, we had ordered T Rex inflatable costumes, <laughs> fan, like in the back. And it was the idea was like, man, it would be so awesome to see two T Rexes like going nuts to, you know, to, to metal, to metalcore and everything. Um, so that was that was epic. And, and during the time, whenever the, the T-Rexes are just like moshing and going nuts, um, we ended up like having little Nerf guns and like we killed the T-Rexes on stage, <laughs> which was pretty sick. <laughs> so they had went down and the guys got a kick out of it because they, they ended up while they're playing the song, you know, lay down next to the T-Rex and be dead with them. And <laughs> finish the song. So then, uh, in conclusion, uh, during our set, Palisades, uh, at, at a very emotional part, we're, we're right on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and, uh, you know, the, the culture is big there. So they had paid a mariachi band <laughs> 150 bucks to basically come in through the back door. Like, as soon as we finished the song, they'd just come in and just go balls to the wall and start, <laughs> yeah, start playing uh, mariachi. It was that was nuts. That was really, really funny. Um, and, and definitely takes the cake for the best prank I think I've ever seen. I think one of the better ones I've seen was uh, New Year's Day and Rivals were on tour. And they were playing the uh, front room at the intersection. So it's like a 400 cap room. Yeah. And New Year's Day is going. And like during uh, Rivals set, they... Because they're using their inner ears and stuff like that, and they have like kind of like a drum part where like everyone's kind of playing like a, a random drum piece, and it's kind of like this whole thing. And the New Year's Day crew pumped over like I don't remember what song it was, um, but it was like a hip hop song. But like the band still is hearing their stuff in their inner ears, so to them it just sounds exactly the way it's supposed to. But to everybody else, they're hearing this hip hop track, and then they're coming out with like. Uh, weed uh, lays and stuff like that, and they're like smoking out the uh, fog machining the stage and stuff like that. And I think they're playing next episode by Doctors right now. I think about it, there and it was just kind of like one of those where I was like, "That's a that's a prank, I guess." <laughs> um, the band like just straight up didn't even like when they were done. They laughed at the people coming on stage and everything, and then when they were done, they're like, "Oh, there was a song playing. Oh, we couldn't hear it." Right. So it was like one of those where it's like half of the the joke was lost. Um, during New Year's Day set, though, rivals like immediately beelined and then come back in with four tires. And then uh, Ash is like, "Are those our trailer tires?" <laughs> oh no! So they took their trailer tires and then all kind of sat and were bouncing on them during their set. And I was like, "That's at least a funnier, more creative prank than I've I've seen yeah. uh, in a while." Because usually it's you know, I'm thinking of like Corey Taylor walking out during uh, Chimera set wearing like a sock. And then it's like, you know, just walking around with that or whatever. It's like, usually it's kind of relatively low key, uh, but taking the, the 
act of having to change tires, which I'm assuming, you know, anybody that's been in a band or been in a van tour is probably real fast at, excuse me, changing tires, uh, especially when you got more people doing it. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty clever prank because it's like, oh shit, you have our, <laughs> you have our tires. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. Now that, that's a good one in a similar fashion to the band as lions um at the end of the tour at machine shop we had saran wrapped their van and trailer like mm. together or whatever <laughs> pretty good um it looked awesome although it was you know and it was it was really easy to clean up you know all you have to do is get scissors or a knife and just cut through it and take it off but uh that that was a nice uh you know unveiling if you will they they come out after the show and you know, see their van and trailer all saran wrapped, which is pretty good. <laughs> I think it's funny. I feel like, you know, that night that we were uh, doing the last interview on your bus, you know, it seemed like a lot of hijinks were happening just between you and your crew. Uh, I mean, you swapping out your bunk, your actual bedding, because for whatever reason, because someone else did it to you the day before or something. And I was just like, man, <laughs> it just seems yeah. like... It just seems like sometimes, like, I could see how quickly you could get really irritated uh, on tour. Like, yeah, I just want my own bunk because I remember, like, bringing you all those beers and you were like, oh, man, I think, like, the crew drank them and I'm really bummed. I was, like, trying to save one of them for my wife and this, that, and the other. And then, like, so it went from, like, to then all of a sudden, I found them and, like, everything's cool again. And it's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that night, that was, that ended or escalated quickly. Cause it was, it was all in good fun. Like I had Ben bought this hundred dollar flashlight and he yeah. was so psyched about it. And he was constantly like flashing us in the eyes and, and just telling us about how awesome his flashlight was. <laughs> and it was like, man, it'll be really good if I just steal his flashlight because that's, that is what I need to do. <laughs> and, and so I did. And, you know, he's, he's kind of freaking out and looking for it and asking about it all day. And, I had a, I didn't fulfill my plan, but I'll, I'll get to that. Um, so, you know, it's after the show already, I'm, I'm hanging out with you and we're doing the, the podcast. And then at, for everybody listening, I ended up, you know, we, we came out of the back lounge and then I look in my bunk to, I had been collecting beers from every show. Um, you know, when you travel, you, there's good beers everywhere you go. And it's really cool to sample and uh, see what each town and city is about. Um, so I had collected a bunch of them all lined in my bunk, which was pretty sweet. And they were all gone and my mattress was gone and my pillow was gone. And it was like, Oh man, Ben got me back. Good. <laughs> I, I looked at my phone and lo and behold, like my mattress is in the rafters. There's a picture of it, <laughs> um, which is pr pretty epic. I will, I will hand it to him to have put my mattress way up there and, it, it ended up uh, get, getting a little heated. He, he was he was kind of pissed off, um, but it it was okay. Um, and uh, you know, I gave him the flashlight back and and my mattress and and all the beers. The beers were safe. So, <laughs> what? Well, uh, I don't think you uh, talked really about the beer you just finished. What? Uh, how? How was the flavor on that? Very good. Um, what? Uh, what is it? Kind of more. Like this, what's surprising is like I had a friend of mine uh, try one the other day, and he was like, "I'm really surprised that the vanilla flavor is so far on the front end of the flavor profile with the IPA kind of uh, milkshake lactosey flavor more on the back end." Because usually you're getting on an IPA, especially 
you're getting it that flavor usually right up front. So it's really weird that this is so front loaded with the vanilla flavor and that it tastes so like uh, candy kind of vanilla, like an actual like milkshake kind of vanilla, like that nice like hand spun vanilla and like milkshake. That's yeah. obviously like an artificially flavored milkshake. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. What, what, uh, what brewery is that by the way? Southern tier. Okay. I, I don't think I've, no, I haven't had them. That's, that's Michigan. Uh, do, 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 do. <laughs> that is, you know, I feel like it's still somewhere on here. Right. Yeah. Might have to look at old untapped or whatever. It, uh, New York. Okay. Nice. So next time you're in New York, go busting ghosts here. Try to get one of those. Yeah. That's, well, that's, if you got another one of them Sherbert gimmicks, I can uh, try to figure out a, a swap here, and I'll swap you one of these for one of yeah. those. Yeah, I do. I need to. I need to get a, a box worth of beer, some some good stuff down here. Um, send your way for sure. It'd be it'd be a good trade. Um, uh, yeah. I was drinking some goodies. Yeah, this the, the Sherbert's excellent though. It's it's way more of a, a sour. Um, okay. it's really tart, just like the Sherbert, which is awesome, and um, it's it's a tinge uh maybe too tart maybe a little too acidic but it, nonetheless i mean it's it, it hit, hits all the flavors um in, in the rainbow sherbert spectrum you know that that you could hope for um untitled actually untitled art does a rainbow sherbert as well and man if, if you see that definitely grab it it's it's a treat it's a dessert for sure um all right yeah, I know. Uh, the, the pb and j now I have to. My, uh, there was one in my uh, Rochester Mills uh, milkshake stout box set that I sent you the photo of that they put out every like holiday, their holiday pack. There was one, it was a chocolate, uh, chocolate, chocolate cheesecake milkshake stout. And that thing was so fucking good. Dude. Like, I didn't record it, I didn't realize that it was a chocolate cheesecake. I just thought it was a chocolate milkshake style. So when I got that cheesecake flavor on the back end, I was like, Oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. That's really cool. I'd had a, a raspberry cheesecake, um, actually at a local brewery, weathered souls. And yeah, it was maybe one of the best beers I've ever had for sure. It was, it was incredible. I don't see a whole lot of cheesecake style beers. Which is yeah. weird because it seemed like it would lend itself. Obviously, it has lended lends itself really well to a, a very interesting balanced beer between kind of, especially when you do like milkshake IPAs or porters or stouts, kind of the the more coffeeier kind of graham cracker flavor mixed right. with some of your sweeter flavors uh, that kind of are on the front end of it. But I'm surprised we don't see more of them readily out in, out in the wild. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I think it's because. It's really hard to nail the graham cracker. Like, uh, oh, I've tried some horrible fucking beers that are <laughs> cracker crust something or other, and it's like, nope. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, no, nowhere in this is there graham. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's funny. Um, all right, PB and J, here we go. Have you had this before? Mm -mm. Oh, ooh, yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. Yeah. A good, nice bit of peanut butter, a, l a little jelly for sure, and yeah, it. I, I've noticed, uh, you know, as you have 
more more beers from each brewery they they all have kind of like their go-to type of thing right. and like with fourth tap it like it, it has a, like a a comfortable like bitter on the end um not nothing too offensive or or turn off but it's it's like uh and kind of kind of creamy <laughs> at the same time or it's it's definitely most of their stouts that that are this way like i feel like they use the same stuff like they they have the same base and then right. they look like with this much we're gonna do a pb and j with this much we're gonna do banana split then we're gonna oh. do brown gotcha. uh chocolate bliss um yeah they they have some some goodies some some craziness um that i've been psyched about but i feel like i can I can spot it. Like I could do a blind taste test type of thing and know, Oh, that's four tap. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The, uh, the peanut butter craze and beer has been really crazy. Like we, uh, we have two breweries. There's one, uh, soggy top that has a really good, uh, peanut butter. I think it's just a peanut butter cup. So it's got a little bit of the chocolate flavor, but man, that thing is so good. It is probably my favorite peanut butter beer I've had recently. Um, there is uh, Grand Armory Brewing has the nut of your business. I think I brought one when you were here last. Um, it's a really good peanut butter beer, but they just came out with a bear, uh, the bourbon barrel aged version of that. Yeah, which it's a little heavy on the the bourbon barrel kind of taste to it. But when you kind of get past that initially, man, it is uh, it's really interesting because it, it kind of goes like that strong bourbon flavor with the peanut butter and then kind of makes me start thinking of things like what else like could you do like because i mean now they have a oh what's it called a screwball whiskey the the peanut butter whiskey Ooh, oh right yep have you had that yet i have not i i want to and i need it's, to it's shockingly really good nice. like if you were to go to a bar and someone's like i'm gonna get you a shot of peanut butter whiskey you'd probably you'd probably be like fuck that please don't <laughs> but you do uh if you do that and mix it with like chambord and make like a, a tall like double shot it's like a nice pb and j kind of a flavor uh but wow. in shot form it's really good um i kind of want to i mean i always feel like sometimes like an alcoholic when i talk about like the things i like trying to do with flavors um because i think uh, something i have kind of talked about like I actually even with this something i kind of wanted to do with this eventually is get uh either the pinnacle whipped vodka Ooh. And put a shot of that in this, and just kind of see like what that kind of does, since it's more of a yeah, uh, more of the, just the whipped cream kind of a flavor, or even vanilla, like uh, you know the peanut butter stouts and stuff like that, or porters and things that like that I've had. Usually, I'll try to find like uh, like the whipped vodka or something like that, and try to find something booze and mix booze and booze and create completely different flavors that you're not going to get from a beer or from the liquor solely, but getting something completely different. And some people look at me like I'm really weird for doing that, but I think a lot of times like you can find really interesting ways to enhance either thing and just yeah. create like something completely different. And I feel like that's sort of how, you know, the craft cocktail game kind of has been expanding or even craft beers where it's just people going, I'm thinking of this flavor and this flavor and, and just kind of figuring out ways to do it. Yeah. It, it, it's all about the trial and error has to be, you know, and that's, I, I definitely uh, applaud you, <laughs> you know, for, for doing that. That's, that sounds awesome. Um, and that's, that, I think that's, that, that's half the fun. Like I just really enjoy 
trying new flavors and with travel, you know, that I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that. So it's really cool to, to experiment and, and kind of come up with new things. I hear that. So a couple of, couple of questions. I don't, I don't know how long you have. Um, I figured probably at least till the end of your beer. Um, so I know we had talked uh, about you getting your eight string guitar. Oh yeah. Obviously, at this point, you you've had it for a little while. You've gotten to play it uh, a little bit more. How has that been? Adding a new toy. Speaking of new flavors and adding and, and trying to create with these things, how has that been? Uh, you know, playing around with a new instrument with different tunings and all that kind of stuff for you. Yeah, it's it's good. It's really helped uh, push me out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. Um, and I, I believe two songs on the record will be on the eight string um it's it's a lot of fun and like anything you know you, you start get out of your comfort zone and start somewhere new to just see what happens and uh I, actually the the first live stream thing that we did we ended up teasing the song spirits and that's yeah that's the first thing i wrote on the on the eight string and it's cool it, it's got like a similar to mr mtv type of riff it's in six four or whatever feels like like cashmere or whatever you know it's like the drums are in four but the music is in six and it it just feels like i don't know it just really groove um but at the same time like i wanted to take something that's like low and brutal if you will to go there and then at the same time, go to something way more melodic and be able to use uh, like the strength of the eight string. And you can have all frequencies and, and when they lock in, it can be really cool, especially when it's like I, I ended up catering the guitar to the specific uh, key of the song uh, to where, you know, there's there's a bunch of open strings um, and, and it really accentuates um, some of the chords and, and brings it to life especially when you're a one guitar band, you know, right. So that's, that's fun to do to try and fill all of the frequency spectrum. It's like, all right, it's me and Dan. Here we go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a uh, funny, uh, my hair, like I, to people who have never seen me, I probably look like an asshole because with my no, braids. Dude, you're great. I, was, I, was but, I really like them. It's a, it's a thing where, like, the, my hair, like, as I was, my hair just naturally does, like, the emo swoop thing. So I was like, I'm tired of fighting it. I'll get ahead of the emo trend that's probably coming in the next three years and just, you know, get it. And, but the problem is, is, like, in growing, especially once this happened, is usually I'd go get it trimmed up and stuff, like, especially once it gets, like, into my mouth. And uh, I've not had hair long enough in a very long time to, to get into my mouth or be in my eyes all the time and just be annoying where you're like, come on, man, like get out of here yeah. and so my wife has just been like i'm a braid and does like all like a different braid every day and i was just like as long as it keeps it out of my face like i'm cool like maybe this is the way to, to grow my hair long but just not have it be in my face and deal with that issue but what's funny is like i made a comment when she did the the cornrows the other day as i was like well i feel like i need to learn it a corn riff and like play corn riffs at this point so i went and like i don't own a seven string so I took uh, my new my newer ESP uh, EC1000 and dropped that thing down, tuned it to a seven string, sans the the high string. So basically, it's like A, it's in A basically, but uh, 
I also haven't changed that guitar to the strings I normally play, which is meant for drop tunings. So it's still in whatever came from ESP's factory. So like those stupidly like thin strings. And when you're trying to play something that low, it's like you can hear it in the video of me playing it. You can just hear like the strings just kind of flopping as I'm like trying to play the <laughs> trying to play the rip. And it got to the point where like everything I was trying to play needed that that low E string basically or the high E string and I was like man I think I have to go all the way back to the first record because like that's where they were doing a lot of like big riffs on the lower lower strings and so trying to play I ended up sticking to predictable off their first record and it was one of those things like I haven't really tried learning corn before because I have never had a seven string and was one of those things where it's a very basic riff it's like uh like four chords all within the first uh five frets and using the first three strings but the way it's almost like a thrash riff kind of uh slowed down like mid-tempo because the way you gotta play it it's a lot of quick bar chords that are using a two two uh like two fret uh spacing and then you're switching strings too between those three so it's real easy to get that thing real sloppy in a hurry and it was just like one of those things where it gave me a whole new appreciation for corn riffs and when people were like, it's just down to, and they're just doing straight up bar chords or whatever. It's like, no, there's some serious riffing going on in there. And like when you start learning stuff like that, uh, you know, because everyone, when seven strings became a thing, everyone was like, oh, it's the cheat way to, to write heavy riffs or whatever. And it's like, no, there's some musicality that still has to go into it. And especially when you start adding the extra string, it gets a little bit harder. Like I know from playing on some seven strings, I can barely bar chord a seven string guitar because it's just the neck is so wide. And, you know, you see people like Joshua Travis of like Amir and Glass Cloud and all that who are playing nine strings. And I'm like, yeah. how, man? Like, how, 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 how are you like, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about that as I was kind of trying to reconfigure corn riffs on a six string and down tuning that much. I was like, Oh, I know I'm talking to Mark. Like, and I know he just got his new, new pet, uh, project thing made with that. So I was like, Oh, I know about that and how that's been going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about what is okay to do. Uh, cause <laughs> for, for ballast, it's like, Oh, Johnny wrote this programming thing. And it's in a, and so for, for a six string. And I ended up tuning down, the low string to a and it's floppy as hell Uh, (laughs) but i managed to make it work and i I figured out you know when you tune it to the attack as long as you don't have anything that you need to sustain for too long you're going to be good and it's it's not going to go flat and i tried getting thicker strings or just for that one string but it just it felt too weird and just completely changed the tone um so now of course i'm I really, you know, recommend just, yeah, do things no, nobody's done, you know, try and and uh, do something different. Why not? Um, so, like, tuning down the, the low string to basically an octave of your, tuning down the sixth string to be an octave of your fifth string and, like, doing stuff like that. Um, so that's that's been a lot of fun, and there there'll be a, a song on the record that has that as well. Um, so, yeah, dude, tune down your strengths. <laughs> Have fun. Tune some up, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I was talking to uh, Theo from Ego Kill Talent a little while ago in preparation for Sonic Temple, which is 
now no longer happening. Yeah. And it was one of those things where they have a very interesting sound. And it, it sounds very, like, you know, modern radio rock, active radio rock sound. Um, but there's just kind of something about it that has a unique sound to it that I, I can't quite put my finger on. And in talking to him, he's like, oh, well, we do, like, weird open open tunings, uh, basically, but, like, down-tuned open tunings. And so, like, kind of nerding out with him on, on some of that, it was just like, oh. And then he's like, oh, like, on this song, like, we're in an open tuning. It's like D-A-D-D-A-D, basically, or whatever. And I was like, oh, I think Charmani used that on uh, My Sacrifice off of uh, Weathered by Creed. Like, he was kind of playing around with a lot of different tunings. And that was the only reason I had even remembered that was because I tried learning that so long ago. And I'm thinking to myself, the fuck is this tuning? And who plays in this? But... Then there's even, like, you know, I'm thinking of, like, Every Time I Die on the, like, last two or three records they've been doing. Typically, they've been just a straight D-tuned uh, band. Like, their riffs sound great, but, you know, a lot of it is just the tone that gives it the heaviness, not necessarily the tuning. But then recently, you know, they've been playing around in, uh, like, a weird C-ish kind of a tuning. And it just adds a completely different sound to what they're able to do. And even trying to learn some of those songs has kind of made me even start looking at it going, like, okay, like, I play in a lot of C and drop C tuning because it's just typically metalcore and stuff like that. It sounds good. You're able to play, like, good-sounding riffs, but your your uh, you know your octaves and stuff really shine through and kind of add a little bit of brightness to it that maybe aren't as diverse dynamically. And it was just, like, one of those things, like, playing around with a lot of different stuff has, in the last few years has really opened me up to, like, what is possible. But I keep coming back to, like, lately I was just texting a friend where I was like, I think I kind of want to get an acoustic again. Like, I haven't had an acoustic in a while, and I feel like I want to write some, like, weird, pretty stuff with, like, open tunings and that, or, like, with a capo, and kind of play around with that as you move it around. And, you know, like, a lot of City and Color has been, you know, getting introduced back into my uh, rotation on iTunes and stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, that sounds good, too. <laughs> cool. That's cool, man. No, it's, it's, it's nice to go through the spectrum. You know, go go really heavy, right? Like you're saying, like I'm gonna learn some corn riffs, and and then completely go to the other side too. And I'm excited with the new record. Um, there definitely are several like just straight up singer songwriter songs in standard tuning, and um, like yeah. And one that I'm working on is way more even like Bob Dylan, like as far as uh, like the lyrics and, and the vocal melody, it's, it's a good, good, sad story, you know, good, good storyteller type of thing. Um, and it, it'll be cool to have, hopefully we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but you know, to have several eight string songs um, that are really heavy and much more in the deaf tones periphery, uh world or whatever and you know everything that lives in between and at the same time have have stuff that's you know even almost the the weekend which is like super poppy and it's like, what uh, dude that new weekend song yeah maybe it's just me i hear young turks by rod stewart on that like uh melody thing yeah. man i hear that like when that came on i was like is someone sampling rod stewart and then i realized it was the weekend and i was like yeah, I don't know if a lot of people are like gonna draw that correlation, but I was like, that's that sounds like the Young Turks kind of like uh, synthesizer line that he's got going in, in that as the new like counter melody that he's got going in that uh, that song. That's a banger, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a good tune. Yeah, we have 
uh, a couple that are, I don't know, uh, like even not dancey or anything, but they, they, oh, come on, you gotta bring some dance tracks now. Uh, no, they, they, (laughs) they live in their own world as far as everything we're working on, um, which is good. It's, it's probably nearing like 30 songs. And I know half of them are probably going to get cut or I don't know, we'll figure out a double record or something. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm, I'm very excited about a lot of these tones and, um, kind of lyrical concepts that we have going on too. Um, it, it's good. Everything's still, cause we take forever. It's still far off. Um, and we aren't even like to, uh, a good, really good demo stage, which I, I guess our demos maybe sound like, um, somebody else's like done song as far as like how we all like really think about things like we could just you know jam room something out for the start but to stand by everything and it's like okay this is a lyrical approach you know we're, we're all happy about these melodies and uh, there's something special in in the musical implementation it, it stands out it's not just uh you, you know we're, we're not made like we we want to make sure that each song gives us goosebumps right and that that they're each living in their own lyrical uh concept land by themselves and we're not repeating ourselves too you know so i guess kind of the last few questions i have for you because i'm about done with my beer and i think you're about done with yours um when do you i've never asked anyone this so forgive me kind of working my way through the question Oh, good. When do you start thinking of a producer when you're writing? Like, what? Because, like, obviously, like, to me, like, if I were probably in your guys' shoes, I'd probably be looking at someone like Nick Raskulinitz, who's done, like, Deftone stuff, so obviously can handle a lot more of those lower-end frequencies and stuff like that, kind of has worked with Hailstorm, knows how to kind of be in that realm, too. You know, that would be someone I'd be thinking of. I'd kind of maybe be looking at uh, maybe Josh Wilbur a little bit, even though he kind of tends to be more on the the heavier side of things, but, you know, has more of a, let's say a modern production for heavier stuff, you know, working with Lamb of God and Gojira and stuff and making it quote unquote accessible. So, you know, at what point when you're kind of writing stuff, are you thinking of a producer, you know, to, that you want to work with? That's a good question. I don't think of, I haven't thought of anybody in I think nearly 15 years um just because like we've since uh the few not fleeting like we've done our own stuff we've always self-produced and our our manager will um ends up helping out with producing and co-mixing the record um so johnny and him have done the past two records as far as the mixing stage goes um it would be cool so yeah that being said it would be cool to work with uh, another producer but uh, man, we're, we're, geez, we're so particular <laughs> and, and like we would drive them off the wall because if you've, you know, being, being a musician, you know, it's like you, you have your things that you go to and like, this is my dirty, these are my effects. This is typically where I like to stay in my box. And so does a producer, you know what I mean? These are the plugins that they use. They get everything to sound like this, you know, it, not all of them, but a lot of them, 
have their shtick, you know, their mold that basically they just pour bands into. And we're not that at all. Like we've, we've done that. And then we've uh, early on and it, it's, you know, it just told us immediately. It's like, man, we don't want to do this. And Johnny really took it upon himself to, all right, like study sound engineering and I'm going to do this. And, and we all kind of became our own engineers too and just started recording ourselves. And that's the good thing. You can tinker for as long as you want. It's good and bad because you, you find yourself tinkering forever, but you aren't being charged for it, you know, being in a studio and, and whatnot. It is, I will say that like we highly recommend having anybody that you trust and respect to basically bounce your ideas off of. For us, it's been Will, uh, our manager, and uh, this guy, Paco Estrada, just a brilliant songwriter from uh, you know, our past, whom we met in 2005 uh, of the band South FM. And he's, yeah, he's just an awesome songwriter. And he's just, you know, says like, well, what are you guys trying to say? You know, <laughs> early on, it's like, well, why don't you just say that? You know, and just kind of cut cut the fat in a lot of ways that it's like, ah, damn, you're right. Yeah, we, let's well, let's go back to woodshed, you know, these these riffs and, and this uh, the lyrical concept and make sure that we're saying what we really want to say and not just being vague and artistic, um, you know, to well, like so many bands do that. It's like, oh, no, I'm just doing this, you know, and I'm I'm being I can use these big fancy words or whatever. And when, but it doesn't mean anything, you know, it's right. like, it do anything for me. The music was on point And our thing is like that magical, like feeling you get from when the lyrics and the music, like, yes, that is what I feel. That is what I want. And to create that goosebump, you know, moment that, that impactful may make you weep you know, if you will. And th those are the songs that have, you know, changed my life from, from bands that I love. And like, I'm. Yeah. It, uh, it, I mean, I knew you guys do your own stuff in house, but it kind of has knowing labels, knowing that side of things from having friends in the industry for as long as I have, there's always the desire and want to take what you're doing and make it better. And yep. so, you know, I could just see someone going, you know who you need to work with X, Y, or Z person. Cause they're going to, they're hot right now. They're making, you know, chart topping albums with these bands that are in your same, you know, lane. Maybe you should try doing this. And I always, when that kind of stuff happens, point to kill switch engage. They're a very, self-contained band you know mike does all the graphic design adam does all the producing and i looked at that first self-titled record they did with howard benson now in name howard benson probably would put out one of the best records you've ever heard especially in metalcore because he's not done a metalcore record however yeah. that record sounds weird and i mean from what i understand i think howard only ended up doing basically howard jones's vocals because adam Tried doing guitars with him. I was like, I'm not really feeling this. We're going to go back and do things the way I do it. Yeah. And But it, it just it, it makes for a disjointed sounding record that sounds unsure of who they are and what they wanted to present. 
which probably explains why they do not play anything off of that record or really even acknowledge that record. I think, actually, it's almost the record that broke them up. Um, but it's one of those things where that's one of the few instances of a band that has kind of self-contained and done all of their stuff throughout their whole career, and in one instance, you get a snapshot of them trying to do something different in that regard, and it's not a, a good product that they put out. Because uh, I think there was a, one other hand in the pot that made the formula not work. Yeah. So made me wonder if there was any of that kind of stuff, or you know, with the success that you've had, if you're possibly even thinking of of going a different route with that, as far as a producer goes, or anything. No, no, I got you, and that that's a good question. Uh, no. <laughs> Short, uh, but you know, lo- long story long is I, I tend to ramble. Um, I, I mean, we we could be open to it. I, I think for me, at the end of the day, it's like, do I vibe with somebody? Do I know them? Do I respect what they've done? Do I feel like they just they don't just keep doing the same thing? Because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want my band to be all of those other bands and poured into that mold. Um, granted, it, you know, guys like Howard Benson, it's like, I mean, he's very successful, you know, and, and he's, uh, got a sound and he's got these skills and he can do that. Um, so that, that's not to take away from, you know, his, his capability. Um, and I, I would really just limit us to like, okay, yeah, let's try a song together. Cause there's, there's nothing wrong with trying things. Cause at the end of the day, you don't have to do anything with it. You know, we, we've worked with several writers and, and uh, producers and whatnot that, and, and had songs that are like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like us. Or it's funny the the song, uh, if I were when we first worked with Scott Stevens, um, whom actually we really connected with and he's been part of the team um, as far as uh, like a collaborator in the mix. And he's, we consider him family. He's a great melody guy and, and he, he can help out to like when, when we're stuck and it's like, all right, we, we don't know what to do with this, you know, and, and he can have an idea that kind of reset everything. Um, but he, he's way more of a like active rock pop guy. And the first time we did the song, if I were, it's like we we came back with it, and it's like man, the riff sounded exactly like uh, Switchfoot, uh, meant to breathe, meant to live, meant to live, and which I, I really like Switchfoot. Yeah, you're very Song, it was just man, this doesn't sound like us. This is kind of lame and not exciting at all. Like I'm just really disappointed <laughs> in our musical capabilities, and and the lyrics were like so short we just kept repeating ourselves granted we we did have the core which was like if i were god and then it was like well what would you do you know and that's when dan kind of came in with the idea you know it's like well you wouldn't do anything you know (laughs) and and that was that was kind of the twist of it all and what made that song work um but uh kind of getting back to like what we're not a band it's like you can I wrote this song here, nothing more have it, you know, and, and you can take that and, and just use it. We, we took that idea from if I were, and then basically we went back um, to the home studio and it's like, all right, let's recreate this riff. Like, let's make this, let's make the music, nothing more and keep what was good about what Scott did. 
Um, but a lot of producers and songwriters, they, they're, they're not down with that. They, they want, they want, they want points. you know what I mean? Well, like 100%, like, nope, this is, this is how it is. And you can't maintain your artistic integrity. And that's, that's bullshit. You know, at the end of the day, uh, nobody knows the band better than you do, you know? I think it's as good of a place as any to uh, end this. Um, obviously, where can everyone find you guys in the band online? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, everybody knows everything. Just <laughs> or, yeah. But yeah, if if you enjoyed this, definitely uh, you know follow John and Bruce Speak, and uh, I I always have a good time talking with him, and uh, yeah, he likes good beer, and uh, we'll, we'll both be posting good beers and things about it so everybody's Absolutely. i know this um call me <laughs> <laughs> but uh enjoy the rest of your evening thanks again for doing this sorry i kept you way longer than i thought i was going to uh and at this point this is part for the course for you whenever you do one of these it seems like at least an hour i know i talked to you sorry <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the uh, rest of your night and uh hopefully we'll this shit will go away soon and, and we can do these and not.